The thunder of artillery rumbled across the storm-lashed midnight sky. Turning in his saddle, Andrew Lawrence Keene looked back, as if the distant flashes were a siren song, whispering for him to return into the cauldron of flame. Not our fight anymore, Colonel. It feels strange to be leaving it, Hans, Andrew said softly, and even as he spoke he continued to look back, watching as the silhouette of Petersburg was revealed by the bursting shells. Strange to be leaving, is it? Damn glad I am, Hans snapped. We've been in the trenches before that damn rebel city for the last six months. It'll be good to stretch our legs and see something else for a while, even if it does mean we've got to take one of them damn boats to get there. Pulling out a plug of tobacco, Hans bit off an end and then offered a chew to his colonel. Andrew smiled and waved his hand, declining the offer. For two years Hans had been offering him a chew, and for two years he'd always turned him down. Shifting his gaze away from the gunfire, Andrew looked down at his sergeant major. The man's face was dark like weathered canvas and careworn and thin, wreathed in a beard flecked with streaks of gray. The lines about his eyes were deeply engraved from the years out on the prairie, watching across its shimmering heat and snow-covered vastness. The scar on his cheek, from the Comanche arrow, was a souvenir of twenty-one years' service in the army. It wasn't the only scar, and as the sergeant continued to walk by Andrew's side, a slight limp was noticeable, a gift from a Reb sniper before Cold Harbor. Looking down at his friend, Andrew remembered the first time the offer for a chew had been made, and a smile lit his features, even though the memory still embarrassed him. Antietam was their first fight together. He had been a green and frightened lieutenant, and Sergeant Major Hans Schuter was the only veteran with the newly recruited 35th Maine. With 5,000 men of the 1st Corps, they had crossed the 40-acre cornfield, trampling down the ripened stalks on that September morning in 62. Forever afterward, one simply had to say, the cornfield, and any veteran of either the Union or Confederate side knew what it meant. In crossing that field, they stepped through the gate to hell. The Rebs had hit them from three sides. One moment all had been quiet. He could even remember the cries of the startled birds above them as they left the field and crashed into the woods beyond. In a moment, the silence of that morning was washed away in fire and smoke and the roaring scream of ten thousand Rebs smashed into them. He had stood transfixed, terrified, his company captain screaming out commands to him. An instant later the captain lay spread-eagled upon the ground, his unseeing eyes staring up at Andrew, a puddle of blood and brains beneath him. All he could think of was getting behind the nearest tree so another such bullet would not find him as well. Damn it! his terrified mind had screamed out. You're a professor of history! What in hell are you doing here? And then that soft, gravelly voice had whispered to him, Son, would you care for a chew? Old Hans was standing beside him, offering a plug of tobacco. He barely came to Andrew's shoulder, his five-and-a-half-foot frame contrasting to Andrew's slender, almost fragile six feet and several inches of height. At that moment, Andrew still remembered Hans as if he were a giant towering above him, cold gray eyes staring into his. Lieutenant, the regiment shot to hell and pulling back. I think you'd better help lead the boys out of here. He spoke as if advising a lad momentarily confused by the rules of a strange new game. 
And in that moment, Andrew started on the path of becoming a soldier. For what else could he do with those eyes upon him? That evening, Colonel Estes had come to Andrew and promoted him to captain for displaying such cool-headed courage on the field. The men of his company had patted him on the back, calling him a stout fellow who knew how to lead. He knew that before the battle Estes had had his doubts, and openly mumbled about having a bespectacled, bookish college teacher in his command. But that night, Andrew knew that at last he'd been accepted. The curious thing about it, Andrew thought, was that he could not remember what he had done. All he could recall was how, throughout the day, Hans had stood by him, just standing, watching, and occasionally offering advice. "'Son, I saw you,' Hans said to him that evening. "'I saw you, and I knew you'd be a soldier, once you learned how. "'You'll do well in this war, if you don't get killed first. That was the last time Hans had ever called him son. From then on it was Captain Andrew Lawrence Keene, and Hans spoke the words with pride, as if he had somehow molded them. After Fredericksburg it was Major Keene, and Hans, who knew all the workings of the army, patiently tutored him with a thousand anecdotes and tales on how to be an officer who could lead. And then there was Gettysburg. Gettysburg. 